The following episode is brought to you by the American Urological Association. This episode was made possible by support from Eurovant. Good afternoon. My name is Jay Raman, and I'm professor of urology at Penn State Health and chair of the AUA's Office of Education. It's my pleasure to host another educational podcast with this specific episode being part of our Advancing Women in Urology series. Today's episode is titled Coaching and Self-Advocacy, and it's really my pleasure to host Dr. Nancy Spector as our guest today. Dr. Spector is Professor of Pediatrics and serves at the Drexel University College of Medicine as the Executive Director of the ELEM program, which is the Executive Leadership in Academic Medicine program, which is part of a year-long National Leadership Fellowship Program for Women in Academic Medicine, Dentistry, Public Health, and Pharmacy. In addition to this, she serves as Senior Vice Dean for Faculty, the Betty A. Cohen Chair in Women's Health, and Executive Director of the Lynn Yaquil Institute for Women's Health and Leadership. She's known for her leadership abilities and facilitation, and her contributions to graduate medical education and academic medicine are in the realm of leadership skills, development, professional development, gender equity, mentoring, sponsorship, and curricular development. Uh, Nancy, first and foremost, uh, we and I are, are so grateful that you would take some time to join us on this really important podcast that's part of our uh, Women in Urology series. So thank you, first of all, in advance. Thank you. Um, at the conclusion of today's activity, uh, participants will be able to describe the importance of working with a coach for career advancement and personal growth, list strategies to obtain coaching, and define key attributes of a healthy and effective coaching relationship. So, Nancy, let's let's just start off maybe first and foremost and, and perhaps um, educate our listeners a little bit on what does what is coaching exactly and and what is the difference between coaching and, and being a coach and mentorship and being a mentor? Well, well, first of all, thank you so much for being here with me to discuss this incredibly important topic. I, I'm really passionate about talking about all the elements that we as uh, people in medicine, women in particular, need to consider as they're building their network to be successful in their advancement of their careers. I, it, it, to my mind, and I know you're speaking about these issues in many forums in your organization, but mentorship, sponsorship, coaching, and allyship are really important things that we should all be considering right now. Um, at hand today, we're talking about the difference between mentorship and coaching. You know, to me, uh, mentorship is really um, a very unique and important and special uh, experience that we all hopefully have in medicine. It, when we work with mentors, it, the opportunity to work with somebody who will provide us with support and feedback to guide our career, somebody um, who is a mentor will provide knowledge and expertise to help, again, guide our progress in our career. I think about the qualities of the best mentors, which um, I think we all aspire to, which are to be somebody who's inspirational, empathetic, honest, incredible, uh, available. By the way, right now, today, in this environment, being available is really important. 
but approachable as well. Somebody who's a great role model, who's incredibly resourceful, again, in this time, being very resourceful is important. Somebody who is a listener, um, a great communicator um, who demonstrates modesty and humility, not somebody who wants to create a mini-me um, and is flexible. Th those are great qualities of great mentors. When we think about coaching, professional coaching, interestingly, was brought into the medical community by the founder of ELAM, the, pro the program I now direct, by Dr. Paige Morgan. She was really ahead of her time and really thought about bringing coaching into medicine about 28 years ago when ELAM was created. At the time, people thought coaching, if you had a coach in medicine, it was very much about a remedial experience. You were in trouble. You needed a coach to help fix the problem. Um, but it has evolved and now is a really important um, component of us thinking about how we can be successful in academia and, and in medicine in general. Coaching generally is different than mentoring is that it's very contractual. So mentoring is, you know, sort of grows either organically or you are put into some sort of mentoring program. For coaching, it's contractual. It is meeting a partner who's going to be focused on very specific objectives that will help you advance your career, that will help you maximize your potential. And there are many different types of coaches, but there are really clear sort of guidelines that you have to work within um, in that relationship. And you do have to spend money on getting a coach. Now, what's interesting is you can receive a coach uh, through an internal process. So many of our organizations have internal coaching processes and uh, you can apply or you are selected to be part of a group that receives that coaching and many of us receive coaching externally from people that we either negotiate in our own contracts so that our organization will pay for a coach um, uh, that we decide on who we want to work with or we pay as individuals. By the way, if you have to do that, I think of it as an investment in yourself. And there are times we have to invest, just like sometimes we have to go above and beyond and pay that extra to go to a certain conference or go to a, a special session to gain a skill to be the best at what we can be. So sometimes we have to invest on our own, but you can also invest um, in yourself by saying, I'm just going to do it. I'm going to get a coach. Um, so coaches, by the way, offer more than advice. They're very strategic, objective focused. They're helping you obtain a goal, move towards a certain direction. And they're much more objective than a mentor because they are not linked to your organization. And they have no inherent investment unless they're an internal coach in the success of something internally. They're much more externally focused on you. So you, you talked a little bit uh, about thinking about this like an investment, right? And I think you made a nice analogy that you're investing um, in yourself. For example, if you're if you're if you're investing in a coach, so maybe the corollary to that is talk to us a little bit about if you're investing, what are the benefits? Like, so what are the importance? What's the benefit, um, whether it be career advancement, personal growth, any of these things, all of these things, 
but what's the what's the value in that investment that you're making? Great question. I think in general, we spend so little time thinking about what do we need to what do we need individually to be the best professional we can be? We are all about, you know, fulfilling roles and moving forward and things, but what is going to make us thrive and grow in our professional development so that we can make the biggest impact and have the biggest influence. So we always have to think about where should we pause to think about what do I have to invest in myself? And that might be time to even think about who should be mentoring you and how can you, you know, work with your mentor. Coaching is very unique in that it's very strategic. It gives you the opportunity to step back and think, where do I want to go? Where do I want to have the biggest influence and make impact? And how can I engage somebody else in helping me think through what resources do I need? How can I address me overusing my strengths or underutilizing um, mechanisms to combat my challenges or deficits or whatever you want to call them? How can I be very holistic about my considering considering who I am, what my goals are, and how can I get to a forward moving process? Why I think coaching is so amazing is they are trained, by the way, in a very different way. They are trained to be listeners, to really consider where your strengths and challenges are, to help you be very strategic, to help you obtain your goals, and help you take yourself beyond where you are to where you want to go. And I think a lot of us live in the moment. We need to move forward. And how can we gain these people in our lives to help us move forward? And that's why coaching is so amazing. The other thing I would say for my personal life is that I've had coaching at many points in my career. And there are so many times where I've used coaches to explore how am I going to go about like battling this challenge I have where the coaches have stepped back, listened to the issues at hand and said, okay, what would you, like, what would your natural inclination be to take on this challenge? And I will share what that is. And they will say, guess what? We're going to consider doing the opposite. (laughs) (laughs) And I've, I've been like, floored every time. And then at the end, I've realized, wow, I could have been my own worst enemy in that challenge. (laughs) And thank goodness that person was there to say, hey, don't do that. Consider doing this. Let's build a plan to take you outside of your comfort zone to go in a different direction. Um, the, uh, The last thing I'll add is coaches are so amazingly helpful when you're thinking about transitions in your career. Mm -hmm. Because you're, if you think about it, when you garner your own mentors in that conversation, there's sometimes an inherent conflict of interest because many of your mentors are your bosses or they need you to do something and go to the next step in this direction that will help them. But coaches are really about you and helping you figure out where you want to go and are much more objective. So if you look at historically the landscape of uh, women in urology. Um, yeah. Historically, this was a really male-dominated field, right? If you go to sort of the the more 
mid to senior level urologists across the country, maybe 10, 15% at the most are women and the majority are men. And, and now as you look at those that are coming through medical school, residency training, um, it's not quite 50-50, but, but it's, it's you know, maybe 60-40. I think you have a much higher percentage of women who are um, entering the field or are in the junior parts or the early parts of their career. So, you know, my question for you a little bit is twofold. As we have more women in medicine and maybe women in urology, what should we be doing? You know, what should I be doing as a department chair in urology? What should I be thinking about with regards to opportunities and how I can support them? And then one step broader than just the house of urology would be what should institutions be doing more broadly? And I know it's a big question, but I feel like the question is always, okay, what should, how can I help the process? How can I support? What should I be doing? And so maybe I'll, I'll turn that question to you. So you're asking a huge question, but it's the most important question. I think we have for a long time focused on how to fix women to be able to fit within a system. Like what, what should women do to acquire the skills to work within the system? Acquire leadership skills or other types of education to move forward. Um, put the burden on them to acquire mentors or sponsors or others to help them advance. Your question as a man in this profession was critically important and, and I think is what we need to grapple with. What can men do to change the structure and the system to allow women to advance in a different way? I think the field of urology is not unlike many of the other surgical subspecialties, ENT, orthopedics, and these are the same conversations we're having with women who are advancing uh, gender equity and other diversity elements within those fields. We have to change the structure. Uh, we have to think about how can um, decisions be made at a high level uh, that will change the structure that will support women to advance. We know, by the way, there are a lot, there's a lot of data. Uh, fields that have more women in high-level leadership will have more women advance throughout leadership. And surgery and the surgical subspecialties are notorious for not having that model yet. That, that is something we need to address. And there are many women who are so passionate about helping women advance in the surgery specialties, subspecialties, that we should like really rely on thinking, how can we partner with them to, to change structure of departments or whatnot? Having said that, also, we can think about ways to be very strategic about supporting women who want to advance by helping them understand where can they get leadership development, where can they get coaching, where should they be networking in their um, organizational specialties to help them advance. So we have to think broadly about how to support individuals as we're supporting the change in the structure. No, that's great. So we, we've, we've been talking about the concept of coaching. And, and now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you um, maybe a little bit more of a, a nuts and bolts type question, which is clearly the concept of coaching is critical. You've highlighted very nicely the need for it, the potential 
benefits with regards to career. But now the question is, okay, how do you, um, how do you, how do you get your toe in the water? And, mm -hmm. and um, first of all, how, how does one get a coach? Um, and then maybe the related is, um, how do you actually know um, that this coach is the right coach for you? Meaning, do, do you have um, a coach who is mirrored or matched up with you in a relationship perspective, um, as opposed to somebody perhaps that you're just not seeing eye to eye with? So I guess, how do you identify a coach and how do you determine if that coach is one that is well suited for you? Thank you. I, I, I would say the first thing to consider is do you need an internal coach or an external coach? So many of our organizations, not all, have opportunities to garner internal coaching experiences. So the first thing I would say is explore whether that's an option to you. Um, and the one benefit there, or a benefit, is that you know that institution supports coaching and there is some sort of mechanism to fund it. And typically the internal coaches are really extraordinary and wonderful, and you can have that opportunity. Having said that, the constraints are, they're working for the institution and not that they are gonna show over bias or whatnot, but you have to consider that. So that would be the first thing um, to see if that's an option. The second thing is, is the external coaching world is like this booming subspecialty mm -hmm. that did not really exist until my predecessor brought it into academic medicine, but really has been booming in the last 10 years. And I don't want to ask everybody on this call or this podcast to contact me, but I am one of the people who can help people connect with the uh, external mm -hmm. coaching world. And our lead coach for ELAM is Dr. Sharon Hall, and she has this really amazing network of coaches that are over 300 strong who provide coaching services for many, many people across medicine. And what I love about this network that she's growing and that others in our network are growing is that they're expert in medicine, in academic, academic medicine, and we know our field is unique. It's different than the business world or law or whatever. And so they're very familiar with our complex, highly matrix systems. And um, they're in this network are a diversity of coaches. So if you are a woman with intersectionality in some way, we can help you match with coaches who will have that intersectionality. So there's this network that's growing. Um, in terms of picking coaches, my lead coach, Dr. Sharon Hall, will say, you need to interview coaches just like you would anybody else. And at least three people. And it's sort of like mentoring in that you need chemistry and fit. Um, you need to have that dynamic relationship that you know you can work with this person. And also, um, we as a group and many experts will say, we don't know of a coach who won't offer you at least one hour with them for free discussing what your issues are and what your goals are. And that a great coach will help you articulate what your coaching goals are and what they should be. And that also when you enter a coaching relationship, the coach will tell you, this is not a forever kind of thing. This is a time limited thing. Let's fix, 
figure out what your goals are. Let's set those goals and let's work together. So chemistry, goal setting, synergy, and, you know, that kind of thing is really, really critically important. But then you have to think about the finances. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I don't, I can't tell you, like, there's a common, I mean, maybe Dr. Hall can tell you, but the, the fee for hour is definitely negotiable. And like whatever contract you wanna set is negotiable. And going back to our original thing, it depends on, you know, how you wanna invest in yourself for that particular thing. So I, I think you, you highlighted some of this, but I think the question I was gonna ask you are, what are some of the, the characteristics of, the, of a successful coach? And, and I think I heard a few things, which is, um, which I, I thought was really enlightening, which is obviously, um, it's not this long-term partnership per se, right? It, it's very focused, I think is the word you use, um, which which I, frankly I hadn't really thought about, but obviously it intuitively, it makes sense as you articulated it. What are some, what are some characteristics of successful coaches um, who you find seem to do it well, whether it's, it's skills of yours or skills of your peers that you've seen who, do, who are, are sort of good coaches? So first I would say, I didn't state this, but uh, the coaches we work with all have certifications and there's certification systems, just like we would have in medicine. And ultimately the organization is ICF. Um, and we, we look for people who have certification because they've gone through training. Mm -hmm. So that's one thing. The successful coaches, that's a really interesting question because we don't have you know, U.S. News and World Report, <laughs> like things on coaches. A lot of it comes from word of mouth and recommendation. Um, and then, you know, working with people on fit. I would say it, it, it's totally reasonable to ask a coach to share some success stories of people they've worked with. They, they can't share. It's just like, you know, doctor-patient confidentiality. They're mm -hmm. not going to be able to tell you details, et cetera. Although some of them... Some coaches will have uh, a reference list that you can refer to. Hmm. Um, but I would say, you know, ask them stories about how they are successful and then see how they resonate with you. And then you can experiment. You can work with the coach for a certain period of time and then decide on your own. Like, do you feel like this is helping you? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So um, <coughs> you, you mentioned earlier in our podcast that, uh, you yourself have had coaches at, mm -hmm. at various times, and and maybe just share with us and and about um, maybe some of the roles that coaches have had for you. I, I maybe that would help our listeners get a little bit of a tangible sense in somebody obviously who's really well versed in this. Maybe how have coaches helped you? Are there you know some scenarios that you can highlight um, that sort of illustrate maybe the value. Absolutely. The first time I ever had a coach was when I was a fellow in the program I now lead, ELAM. We were assigned coaches and it was very specific over creating a leadership development plan to kind of be part of the program. And I was overwhelmed by how powerful that was. Um, uh, you know, I thought I had a plan for my next steps and how this coach helped me like move dramatically forward in a very short period of time. So that, that was my first experience with coaching. I have engaged coaching whenever I've had a leadership transition in my 
um, career. And I have found it so helpful because it really gives me an anchor to consider all the things I need to address. Again, consider my strengths and challenges with the, what I'm faced at hand and what are my objectives and how, what are my goals going forward. So I have engaged a, a coach at every period of time in my transitions. I have a coach, I've been the executive leader of ELAM for, this is my seventh year. Mm -hmm. I've had a continual coach because I am continually setting goals for myself to evolve the program, to build other programs, to engage in um, work with other organizations that are uncharted territory for me always. And so I continually use a coach to help give me reflection time, objective, you know, assessment of where I am and help me create a plan and get tools to get forward um, motion to go to the next step. So I use it all the time. So um, maybe for the last five or seven minutes here, maybe a little bit more, I want to talk a little bit about the coaching relationship and, mm -hmm. and um, maybe I'll start. The, the first question is, is, um, what are the sort of characteristics for a good, or, or if you want to call it a healthy coaching relationship? Mm -hmm. And maybe the corollary to that is, um, who drives the relationship? Is it the coach or the person being coached? And, and, and what is that dynamic like? Hmm. Or does it vary based on the situation and the person? Yeah, that's a great question. I would say the relationship should be driven by the objectives of the person being coached and the person who is coaching should be carefully listening and then carefully guiding based on those objectives. In my experience, coaching is super fun. It's like talking to a very sophisticated colleague who gets it, who can <laughs> laugh at like uh, half of my life. I say, you can't make this up. I don't know if you've ever heard about the show, The Office, like where okay. somebody's like falling around and my life is not as like crazy as that, but there are times I'm like, like, is this really happening to me? And that coach is somebody I can talk to and, and, and have a, like a laugh about it or um, say, yeah, that really is crazy. And then reset and ground. It's a, a person you can both vent to but then we'll help like settle you and say, okay, you're not crazy. This is fine. Or that person is crazy. <laughs> mm -hmm. Let's figure out how to address it. So it at the same time normalizes things, resets you in places, allows you to add the sense of humor if that's who you are. By the way, that's my thing. I've got to add humor to my day or I'm thinking like, how can I get through this day? Um, but, but gives you those skills and tools to say, okay, I feel empowered now to move forward. Uh, so it's a, it's like having an amazing confidential colleague. What it's not is therapy. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, it's not, psychiatry or psychology, although sometimes you think, wow, that was a great insight. Um, it is, uh, it is somebody confidential help you brainstorm really hard problems hmm. and they're not your boss and they're not judging you. 
And, and sir, maybe the related uh, question to that is, um, as someone who is receiving coaching, mm -hmm. what strategies should this person be looking for to get the most out of this relationship, to build this relationship? Because I, I think you've really made it clear that that there, there has to sort of be, I don't want to say a goal per se, but there has to be some specific need. And, and in order for the coaching to be coaching and not therapy, it seems like there has to be an effective relationship that, that, that gets at this. So uh, my question would be for those that, that, that are getting coached, what strategies would make this the most effective type relationship? Also a great question. I would say what I do do is, you know, so this is different than the weekly meetings I have with my leadership team um, where I have to problem solve and like fix things. I try to be very um, thoughtful before I meet with my coach about what really is a, a, a problem or a opportunity that I want to get that person's advice on. And so I'm, I'm thoughtful because there could be 50 things that I could mm -hmm. offer as a point of conversation. So I, I do try to be strategic about that. I also, I try to use my coaching experiences um, to think about high level strategy, not day-to-day -day logistics, but higher level overarching strategy. In particular, if I'm trying to get to a very lofty goal, um, how can I use this person to help me, you know, sort of settle, benchmark where I am and, and plan for the long-term future? Because often when you're working with colleagues, you're like day to day, mm -hmm. like, what do I need mm -hmm. today to get through tomorrow? Or what deadline is on Friday? By the way, I have a few on Friday I have to get to. <laughs> um, so that's how I use it. Mm -hmm. I can't say though that Every time I, I spend a half hour, you know, creating notes about what I should do. Sometimes it's only 10 minutes I do to prepare. That's great. Um, Nancy, any, any may, maybe final thoughts for our audience on, or maybe any takeaways that you think maybe I, I just haven't, you know, covered or uh, for our audience with, with regard to this concept of coaching? The only thing I would add is, you can negotiate coaching into your contracts, mm -hmm. into any leadership level contracts. And I'm amazed at how often I suggest that and people receive that as part of their contract. It could be a transition plan coaching mm -hmm. experience three months. It could be a year in the new role. It doesn't have to be a super high level leadership position. Uh, I've also seen people negotiate co uh, coaching into um, I'm asked to face a particular challenge. It doesn't give me a new title or role, this thing that I'm being asked to do, but I'm going to ask for coaching and it's negotiable. Hmm. That's really great. That's great to hear. Well, Nancy, first of all, uh, really enjoyed this conversation. I learned a lot, which is, I think one of the best things about these podcasts is that I get to talk to really bright, thoughtful people and, and, and learn a lot. Um, but I really want to thank you for, for taking the time uh, to join us and, and join us as part of this very important podcast series. Well, thank you so much. Wonderful to be with all of you. <laughs> for our audience, um, for more information, uh, please visit us at 
auanet.org university. Uh, Dr. Spector has uh, kindly put together uh, some additional materials for those that would like to learn a little bit more um, and, and sort of delve into this to perhaps a greater degree than what we can cover in a podcast. And I would encourage you uh, to take advantage of those resources. Uh, Nancy, again, thank you so much. Uh, I wish you and your family a very happy and safe holiday. You as well. Thank you.